This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me today is one ca- uh, Covid ridden, Cara Thistlethwaite. Hi Cara. Hello. Thank I, you. I need extra brownie points for this right now. Thank you very much for still being on the podcast. I know you're not feeling super well. so Why couldn't I be asymptomatic? Like me. You've, screw you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, if you're going to have to do the podcast, then at least for once, we get to do one with some positivity to talk about. Newcastle, 3-1 winners over Everton, over Frank Lampard's Everton. And I I really thought that uh, new managerial boost would come back to haunt uh, Newcastle yet again. But it it was a great game. And this time, you know, despite the last couple of matches, Newcastle coming out, being really positive in the first half, but not getting anything and then kind of falling off at the end. Newcastle positive for the entire game. And I don't know how that happened and why the sudden click, but hey, you know, bonus, because it was nice to see Newcastle playing an exciting brand of football. Don't get me wrong. It was a little bit shaky at the back, but it was much better than it has been. And again, scrappy goals from both sides. But I don't think that was necessarily because both sides were playing badly. I just think that was just the, the type of game it was. And it, it, it did get quite vicious, which was kind of enjoyable to watch. I mean, both were, teams wanted it. There were some meaty tackles flying in at times. And to be honest, Shelby, arguably, oh, a bit to stay on the pitch. As soon as it happened, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as you said, with the new manager bounce, like when Everton obviously got that opening goal for... I mean, thankfully, two two minutes later, literally, we go down the other end and score virtually the same goal, which was very fortunate. Um, in both cases, basically, balls being rebounded on the line. In our case, going off Jamal Sells, who couldn't help it. In Everton's case, Mason Holgate. But when it, when Everton took the lead, it, you know, in, in you know very fortunate circumstances, you're thinking, oh God, you know, same old Newcastle. We've done quite well. No look at all, you know, what, what's going to happen. But then, yeah, literally two minutes later, basically, Lascelles, not that it was his fault, but he sort of makes amends because it was his thumping header that then gets rebounded onto Holgate, which was, so then we're, we're back level pegging. Yeah, the comeback was really impressive and nice to see because I've lost count the amount of times we've seen heads go down and nothing comes from it from there, but... All players played really well, and I was uh, glad to see Ryan Fraser. He had got a good couple of hedges as well, despite his side <laughs> um, having like a really, really good game. And yeah, obviously did manage to score a goal in the fifty-sixth minute as well. Bit of a shame about Wood not not scoring, but you can definitely see that he's just not quite got into the rhythm yet. Like he had a good. I mean, it wasn't the easiest chance in the world, but he could have done better with a few headers, you know, his size, and and we know what he's capable of. But, you know, that's a striker without much confidence at the moment. Um, 
I think, yeah, that, that was the one negative of the game for me is that Chris Wood, unfortunately, three games in now, he still hasn't done a lot, as you say, clearly lacking in confidence. I think he, he kind of just needs to needs one to go in off his arse, as the cliche goes. <laughs> yeah, if only one of them could have gone <laughs> in off his massive body. <laughs> um, because especially, you know, we might not have Callum Wilson again this season, or certainly he's might, he, he might not feature very much. So Chris Wood being the only attacker that we actually signed in January, there is a lot of pressure on his shoulders. So that is one thing that we're going to need to see from him, hopefully, in the, in the coming months. But yeah, otherwise, all round positives, like I say, Fraser getting on the score sheet, his first Premier League goal for us. And the trippy and free kick as well. I mean, uh, it's I, a blind free kick. I think you talked about that, I think, before... Well, what's the word? Before it was actually signed, I think you were saying how much he, how good he is at set pieces mm. and how it gives you that extra uh, option to go for when there's a free kick because obviously Sam Maxwell gets fouled all the freaking time. Although I did think he went down quite softly quite a lot in this match, but we'll leave that. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he didn't get fouled a lot, but I also think there's some times where he went down a little bit soft. But, you know, that doesn't matter because everybody does it. I'm just, I'm just saying. But, you know, having that many free kicks in and around the box is something that Kieran Trippier can take advantage of. And, and, it, and it, was, it was brilliant. The placement, the power, uh, really, really good goal. And it, nice to see him getting his first for Newcastle because he didn't have the best uh, debut. And I, I, he, he was a bit hit and miss, I think, for, for, the, for the second match that he played. Uh, but, but he has been really, really good at it you know, coming on leaps and bounds, he's proper clicked into that defence now. And I, I just really hope that he can sort start organising it. And I think we've seen that in this match, maybe. Maybe not all down to Trippier, but the fact that he's there with the experience that he has is maybe giving the rest of them a little bit more confidence. And there was some really close goals as well later on. But was, was, it, was it Murphy who hit the, hit the bar? Uh, yeah, well, I think it was the post. But yeah, Murphy hit the yeah. post, Willock... Had one saved. Actually, shout out to Joe Willock. I thought he played really well, actually. He was probably the most involved he's been. He was everywhere. Yeah, because yeah. I, I did say while we were watching it, like there was times where I forgot he was inside Willock because <laughs> he just, he, he was in the lineup, but he, I never actually saw yeah. him do anything. But he, he, the amount of chasing down and interceptions or interception attempts, he was almost as prevalent. In fact, he probably had more of an impact than Jolington this match. Uh, well, you say that, but Jolington, of course, managed to kick the ball into his own face when presented with a great chance in the penalty area. If that's not an impact, what is it? Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying. No, you, uh, you, you're absolutely right, I, I think. Um, and actually, just, just going back briefly just to Kieran Trippier as well, I think what was also really nice as well with that goal is that it made those final 10, 15 minutes so much more comfortable than the previous two wins of the season, which were both scraped one nils. I'm not saying we didn't deserve them, but you know, because of how many times we've thrown away a lead this season, we know how tense it's been. To get that two-goal two cushion to then enjoy those that late period, and the fact that although it would have been great for one of those other late chances to go in, it didn't matter that they didn't because... We had that cushion, and also Newcastle still going for it, which is again something that we we've not seen and are massively not used to. I think as a 
for the current Newcastle generation. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 is, it is a good match and an enjoyable one to watch. I think uh, I think maybe both teams can feel a little bit hard done by for like Newcastle not getting those extra goals. I think Everton can feel a little bit hard done by in a way because again it was some scrappy goals and but Newcastle definitely deserved to win that without without a doubt. But lots of lots of positives for Newcastle. A lot of question marks for Everton. Yeah, well, I mean, <coughs> Everton now. Oh, we've really dragged them into that into that relegation fight with this win because they're only one point ahead of us now. I mean, think how bad Newcastle, let's face it, have been for most of this season. I think this is the first time we've been out of the relegation zone. Yeah, we are out of the relegation zone, at least for the time being. So that obviously is, is massive as well. Uh, long may that continue. Yeah, Everton really dragged into the thick of it. Frank Lampard has got a hell of a job on his hands. You would think they would have too much quality to go down. But as we've seen in the past, no one is too good to go down. Newcastle was supposed to be too good to go down, and we did anyway. I think there's definitely a curse at Evington. And I know this isn't us talking about Newcastle, but I thought Dele Alli was a bit... I think he, he was a bit rusty, wasn't he? Which, I mean, to be fair, I think was is probably understandable because he hasn't really played a lot at Tottenham. That's for true. his sake and for Everton's sake, hopefully... As he plays more often, you know, over the coming months. Because I mean, I, I don't actually wish any ill on Everton. Obviously, I wanted us to win and win comfortably, like we did last night. But I, you know, I, I don't actually have any desire for them to go down either. But just okay. while you while you're down at the bottom, the more teams that you can kind of drag into the mix with you, the better. I do think Danny Ali has it in to be a shelter, and we did see that again. The vicious cycles <laughs> and the aggression. But again, you know, again, linked to Leicester and also not Newcastle. I feel bad for Tamiri Gray being off with injuries. And it did look like Newcastle were going to have a whole bunch of injuries as well during that match. In fact, it looked a bit like a war zone at one point. But (laughs) most of them them seemed to sort it out in the end. And yeah, and also just something obviously we have to acknowledge as well. Back-to-back wins for Newcastle for the first time since last May, at the end of last season. It is huge for us in the relegation battle. Obviously, there's there's, there's a long, long way to go still. We're not out of it by any uh, shape or form. But that's, from, from where we were, I mean, look, back-to-back wins in the Premier League for any team is always good. But from where we were, to, to get that, hopefully that's going to be a big confidence boost. Obviously, we need to capitalise on that. We need to not throw it away, for example, against Aston Villa when we play them on Sunday. Obviously, we'll get to that preview in a little bit. But, yeah, massive, massive result, massive three points and massive performance as well. I'd say it was our best performance of the season. Yeah, I agree. Which that, yeah. I know I know the bar isn't <laughs> especially high with that. But, honestly, that was... Yeah, how many wins we've got to compare that against? Oh, exactly. <laughs> and also, you know, we've still got Dan Byrne to come in and hopefully shore them up at the back. As well, like you say, Trippy is having an impact. It obviously is only one game now, first of all, for Matt Target, but having an actual left back on the left side of defence helps. We, so we've still got Dan Byrne to come in and we've still got Bruno Gimmeresh to come in. Obviously, he came on right at the end, but we've still got, hopefully, uh, yeah, we're going to see him play, obviously, a much bigger role uh, in the days and weeks to come. So, Can I just say the positives? there is one other negative. Okay. Yeah. Shelby. <laughs> 
just because he scored a screamer does not mean you should try for a screamer every five minutes. Pass it, man. It's fine if there isn't a pass on. Go for it, lad. But when there's a pass, can can he just stop? Because every freaking time now. He's got a taste for it now, hasn't he? Oh. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, well, yeah, hopefully, um, well, hopefully he either starts sticking them in the back of the net or, yeah, starts making the right decisions. I mean, that's it. When it comes off, it goes off and it's like, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, there's other options. <laughs> <laughs> onto the uh, onto the news now. Um, obviously, the biggest story of the of the last few days in uh, world of Newcastle uh, is that we look to be on the verge of getting Dan Ashworth um, as our director of football. See, it's not 100 percent confirmed yet at time of recording, but the writing is pretty much on the wall. Um, he, we've been talking to him for some time. I think Brighton. It was December. Brighton gave us permission to speak to him. He was their technical technical director. He's now resigned from Brighton, um, and he's now going to be on an extended period of gardening leave. But after that, he's free to start uh, any new position. Most likely, it seems uh, being with us, as I say, as our director of football. Um, I can't say I, I, I necessarily knew too much about Dan Ashworth or who he was um, until we started being linked with him, but. You know, he's obviously, the last uh, two, three years, he's obviously had a hand in uh, what Brighton have been able to do, you know, really establishing themselves as a, a side in the Premier League. And certainly this season, looking to kick on up to mid-table rather than being in that relegation scrap, for example, with Newcastle. Um, so, you know, obviously, Graham Potter, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of factors behind why Brighton have been doing well, but... Ashworth um, certainly seems to have been a part of that. Hopefully, that's kind of what he can bring uh, to Newcastle. Um, you know, he'll he'll be helping out with the recruitment and also just with the vision going forward. You know, trying to make us hopefully <laughs> a cohesive project and not just you know a collection of names slapped together because obviously we have all this money now and that's a way that we could easily. Yeah, that's a route we could easily go down, which isn't necessarily what you want. I mean, to use Everton as an example, we know how much money they've spent in recent years, but if you're not doing it in a cohesive, well-thought-out manner, it's not necessarily going to get you anywhere. So, um, yeah, hopefully, as, as a sort of long-term appointment, hopefully Ashworth can yeah, can have that impact on us um, you know, in, in the years to come. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not too much more I think really to, to necessarily no, I say don't, I don't know why you're looking at me I have nothing else <laughs> but yeah um, that, that was obviously the biggest news this uh, this week a couple of other things um, Newcastle have now confirmed uh, our 25 man squad for the second half of the season obviously the new arrivals are all in there uh, Isaac Hayden uh, is out of course he's got a long term injury so that was to be expected Kieran Clark uh, also out, thank God. <laughs> uh, I suspect just because of his form, he should not be playing for us. Um, one slight strange thing I thought was that uh, Jamal Lewis actually not included in the squad for the second half of the season, so he won't be playing for us again this season because we're out of the FA Cup, so he can't even play there. Um, which, yeah, I, I thought that was a slightly strange one. I know obviously Matt Target came in, and obviously he's going to be the first choice left back for the next few months. But I thought Lewis, you know, he's still a young lad, 
still learning his game, but I thought he was doing actually quite well before he got injured. And he's also the only other natural left back in the squad. So I thought he was a bit of a puzzle for me that he was left out. I thought maybe Kraft or someone like that might have been uh, dropped instead, to be honest, especially, you know, since Trippier has arrived, giving us, you know, we've got some more options at right back now. Um, but yeah, bit of a strange one. Now here's something that would have never have happened under Ashley because he sure as hell isn't doing this for Sports Direct. But Newcastle have also applied to Living Wage Foundation to become a living wage employer. So basically, it means that independently, it gets calculated a minimum rate of pay in line with the actual cost of living. So more than the minimum wage, or what the Tories like to call the living wage, which is a load of bollocks. Yes, they they rebranded that, didn't they? As if that was actually what the living wage is, even though the cost of living continues to soar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though that all the energy companies have made a profit of eighty-five billion this year. Oh, but uh, Rishi Sunak says that we had a, uh, a uh, sorry a a colder than expected winter. It wasn't though, fucking cold, even, Rishi. Even though it was one of the warmer <laughs> ones on record. So thanks for that, Rishi Sunak. Sure, I looked through <laughs> old photographs at home, and in January the thirteenth, there was like three inches of snow. Where the fuck's the snow now, guys? Yep. We're never going to see it again. But I'm angry because I'm ill. <laughs> but yeah, so what, what, like I said, what that means is that basically retroactively from the 1st of February, uh, Newcastle employees will make a minimum of £9.90 per hour. Uh, as you say, it's it's not something you can really see Mike Ashley having done, given the way we know he treats his employees. Does he even pay them yet? Or does he just get stuck in the most cards? Oh, God, who knows? I, my heart goes out to them all. I um, applied for a job with them way back then. When I was actually physically fit and sporty. <laughs> and now well, I'm just... Hey, it's probably a good thing <laughs> that you didn't end up there. I once got rejected by uh, Pound World. Oh, I got rejected by Asda as well. But, um, I mean, look, obviously... But not by next. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to back to the Newcastle story. No, um, my life is more interesting than that. <laughs> uh, obviously, this this story does come with the caveat that you know it is obviously the least we can do, given that we're the richest club in the world. Uh, and obviously, and it's a shame that we have to bring this up, of course, uh, given that it is, it is otherwise a feel good story. But I feel like we would be remiss not to mention it. Obviously, it comes with the huge. Uh, asterisk that you know it's essentially good PR for the club to have done this that oh, is I, probably I, I, the main I know you're factor say, behind it I know you're going to say this is all sports watching right but at the let's, let's just let's just cut to the bottom line this is what everybody should be doing anyway there shouldn't be a minimum wage it should be the living wage not the fucking Tory living wage it should be for everybody because at this rate there's going to be thousands and thousands billions of people who are not going to be able to, they're going to have to make the decision between heating and food at this rate, okay, because it, it, it's increased by almost a £1,000 a year. So this is what everybody should be doing. Now, if you look at wages now, you know, we're, le- we're earning the equivalent of, well, barely anything. Wages have actually gone down with the amount that we're living cost and inflation has gone up. So this is what everyone should be doing anyway. So... Yeah, you might call this sports washing, but actually for for the people that make this club run uh, and every club run, for, for even those at right at the bottom, this is a good thing for them. So, yeah, yeah, it might be sports washing, but let's just 
for a minute, let's just think, think about like how the the actual people aspect of this is. Uh, and no, and I despite mean, everything, every football club could afford to do this. Oh, absolutely, they can. and it should be happening. It's, yeah, it's, it shouldn't have to really be voluntary, to be honest. Um, when you've got that much wealth in the clubs, but no, I mean, look, let's, let's make it perfectly clear. Like, absolutely, this is a huge positive. Ultimately, regardless of the reasons behind it, and as I say, cynically, I think ultimately all this sort of PR stuff from the club is ultimately to serve that purpose. That doesn't mean that this isn't a good thing. It is great for these employees, especially, like you said, not <laughs> having you know been under Mike Ashley for so long. Uh, it, it is such a welcome change. It's just it's a shame because, like, as we said, when the takeover was first announced, you know, if, if we follow the, for example, the route of the Man City owners, the the, the Saudis probably will do a lot of good for the club and for the city. Like, you look at the investment uh, Man City's owners have put into the area surrounding the stadium and all that, all the rest of it, and the facilities and all these sorts of stuff. They they have done some phenomenal good. Unfortunately, we know the reasons behind it. So it's, I'm not trying to take away from, uh, yeah, the good part of the story because ultimately, yeah, these employees absolutely deserve to be getting <laughs> paid better when these clubs make millions every year. Um, it, yeah, it is just a shame that it always is going to slightly come with that caveat, but that doesn't mean that I don't want this good stuff to happen. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully this is just the beginning uh, of many more good things that these owners do. Because, I mean, look, we know the horrific things they get up to over in Saudi Arabia, but if they're going to be over here, then they might as well at least do some good with their uh, with their blood money <laughs> and their oil money. Um, so, you know, long may that continue. But I just thought we'd be remiss not to uh, at least acknowledge that caveat. But, uh, yeah, no, better time to be... Newcastle employee and hopefully hopefully the team is able to stay up uh, and that'll help as well because that's something that you know sometimes can happen when relegations are involved is you know that sort of unseen cost of it we know what it does to the players we know what it does to the fans and how disappointing that is but obviously one of the unseen costs is sometimes that you know the regular employees either the ones who actually it matters the most to are usually sometimes the ones who miss out, some people do lose jobs or what have you. Hopefully that won't happen even if Newcastle do get relegated again because of these new owners. But yeah, hopefully it's not a bridge we'll have to cross anyway. Uh, on that note, we've ta- we've taken on and beaten Frank Lampard's Everton uh, trademark. Uh, it's now time to take on Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. So, I think this is a much harder task. Yes, I mean, look, I mean, as we discussed, we, we thought Everton, you know, we, we would have probably preferred to have played them a few weeks ago. We thought there was going to be that new manager bounce. But if there is one team that has had a bit of a new manager bounce and are doing well, it is Aston Villa. Um, I mean, it, they, they, they've actually played tonight. Um, this is that being Wednesday. So by the time this podcast comes out on Thursday, they will have played Leeds. We don't know what's going to happen in that match. So at the moment, we know that Gerard. They played 10 games under Gerrard and they won five of them, which is pretty decent record for a team like Aston Villa, not, you know, someone uh, sort of with ambitions greater at the table at, at this moment in time. They, they, you know, they've, they've been pretty solid under him, even in the games 
where they've not got results, they've they've usually performed reasonably well, all told. Um, and it's, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this one before, listeners. Uh, we don't have a great record against Aston Villa. No way. <laughs> Um, we've we've only beaten them actually once since 2015, and that was in 2017 when both teams were in the championship. Uh, it's not great, but look, as far as our form, such as it is, goes, we're we're going into it as, as well prepared as we possibly could be um, this season. And we've picked up 18 points, and with eight of them have come in our last four games, two draws, and then the back-to-back wins. So. You know, hopefully we are going into this game with a bit more confidence than we would have otherwise had. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously we, we, we can always say I do. I do think Gerard seems to be quite actually an organised manager. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that I thought he'd been bad. I'm just was surprised at how well he's done since he's since he's come back into the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, he, um, and he did it. He did a good job um, at Rangers, yep. to be fair. Like. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it'll be he, he seems like he, he see. I mean, he's still early days, of course, in his managerial career, but he does seem to have the makings of a good manager. Yeah. Um, and yeah, certainly he's 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 done a, a decent job uh, with Villa so far. I mean, like I say we don't know what's going to happen against Leeds. Maybe they'll get tonked four 0 but I suspect they'll probably probably get a win, given the way uh, you know Leeds have been going and the fact that Villa are at home. So, um, but we are going to be at home again. On Sunday, you know, another game at St James's Park, as all as all of the games are. Obviously, it's still going to be massive, even after recent results. We're still in the thick of it, and it's probably going to be that way for the remainder of the season. But you know, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, we can get some more points on the board. Again, if Newcastle play the way they did against Everton and don't win, he's going to be happy with it. So. And we'll certainly give ourselves a good chance of, of getting oh, those three points if we yeah. can play that way again. Yeah. And and hopefully we'll see, you know, a bit more of some of the new boys like like Dan Byrne and and, and Bruno um Gimaraj as well, because uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in the team. Um Yeah, be interesting. So yeah, we will be back. Um should be back as normal next week, listeners. Um thanks to the you know we were delayed this week because of the awkward uh, match scheduling with playing on Tuesday night. In the meantime, though, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review, that would be amazing. And until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thank you, Cara. Genuinely, yeah. I know I say this every week, and I do always appreciate it every week, but I know you've not been feeling well, so honestly, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be sticking a pizza in the oven. Anyway, the heights of the culinary <laughs> experience. <laughs> anyway, thank you, listeners, as well. Bye. Bye. I'm going to go and do that pizza now. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.